What's up, Red Rocks Church? Well, you sound fired up today. I love it. Well, hey, welcome. Uh, if you're visiting with us for the very first time, uh, we're glad you're here. I like to say this up top uh, because you're going to figure it out anyways, especially if you see next week's speaker. Um, <clears throat> we're just a bunch of messed up, you know what I'm saying, imperfect people. Uh, we got all kinds of issues going on in life. We're all broken in different ways, just like you. But man, we love to get together on a weekly basis as a church family and pursue a perfect God. And so no matter what's going on in your life, we're glad you're here. I don't know if you're visiting with us. Maybe you're at one of our seven locations or maybe you're in a car or in the gym or at home or wherever you're at. I don't know if you've ever been to church before or Maybe you've grown up in church or maybe you just haven't been for a long time and I don't know how those experiences have been for you and I don't know what you might be going through today or what you might even be thinking about your own situation and your own life, but I want you to know I say this with 100% sincerity from me, from our staff, from this entire church family. We're glad you're here. You're loved, you're valued, you're welcomed. <laughs> we believe in you. And we believe God has you here for a reason. So welcome to Red Rocks Church. Let's say hi to everybody. What's up, Littleton Campus? Littleton, can you make some noise? Hey, I don't know where you're watching this from, but Littleton's fired up today. What's up, Evergreen over there in Evergreen High School? Lakewood at your big campus with your big pants on over there. And Lakewood, who'd we forget? Evergreen, Arvada, getting a brand new parking lot, doubling the building over there. I know there's construction and it's crazy, so hold tight. Hang on, Arvada. Good things are coming. And then welcome to both God Behind Bars campuses, men and women. We love you so much. And last but not least, can we make some serious noise for our church family on the other side of the ocean, Brussels, Belgium. We love you so much. We're glad that you're with us. Um, as you know, I just got to spend a weekend with you and I absolutely loved it. Even the dude, and you know who you are, who sat in the front row in the Seahawks jersey. That's not cool, but I love you too. And I enjoyed my time there with you. Guys, I, you, some of you may follow me on social media, so maybe you already knew and some of you care less about that stuff. But I literally, I felt like my plane was a boomerang. I got to go spend a weekend with our Brussels, Belgium campus. But I mean, I got there Saturday, spoke Sunday, and came back Monday. Literally, my plane went shoo, like this. And so, and, and I'm sitting there in Brussels, Belgium, and I'm asking the church in Brussels to pray for the Broncos, okay? And on the front row in Brussels, a dude's wearing a Seahawks jersey. And I explained to him, no. I heard that. I explained to him, I'll explain to you, if that's your thing, we got prayer at every campus before you leave, you get delivered of that kind of thing. Hey, Brussels, I am a man of my word. I made you a promise, so here we go. Here's the deal. I said to the Brussels campus, I said, look, we need you to start praying for our football team, period. We need miracles, okay? We need you to start praying. They looked back at me, they said, okay, we'll pray for your football team, you pray for ours. And so I said, that doesn't sound that bad, right? And so the Belgian national team, now it gets a little tricky. The Belgian national team is called the Belgian Red Devils. 
I said, guys, you really expect us to pray for a name like that in church? They said, absolutely. I said, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to become one church on different sides of the ocean, united in prayer for our football teams. So we're going to pray for the Belgian Red Devils. They're going to pray for the Broncos because let's be honest, we all need a miracle. All right, let's pray. God, I thank you that we get to join together as friends and family today. We get to hear from you through your word. I thank you for what your son's already done for us. I thank you for what you're currently doing for us. I thank you that you love every one of us, that you have a plan for every one of us, and that you're about to speak to every one of us. We thank you and we love you. And God, right now, we pray for miracles for the Belgian Red Devils and the Denver Broncos. In Jesus' name, and everybody on both sides of the ocean said, Amen. Amen. Let's read the Bible. <laughs> Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. I was actually on the plane coming back from Brussels, and I was like, whoo, I'm tired. Oh, and I'm speaking this weekend, and I'm not kidding. I was like, God, please speak to me. You've done that. Don't pretend you haven't, right? Like, I need something. I don't even know. I just opened the Bible and started reading, and I'm not even kidding. I got so excited about what I started reading in Romans chapter 1. I was like, I know exactly what I want to share with our church family. So if you have a Bible, Romans chapter 1, here we go. This is how you intro a letter. Paul's writing to his friends in Rome. I, Paul. I'm a devoted slave of Jesus Christ on assignment. I want you to catch the fire in this intro. I want you to catch the intensity, his passion in this intro. He said, I'm on assignment, authorized as an apostle to proclaim God's words and acts. I write this letter to all the believers in Rome, God's friends. The sacred writings contain preliminary reports by the prophets on God's son. His descent from David roots him in history. His unique identity as son of God was shown by the spirit when Jesus was raised from the dead, setting him apart as the Messiah, our master. Through him, he said, we received multiple things. Through him, we received both the generous gift of his life and the urgent task of passing it on to others who receive it by entering into obedient trust in Jesus. Listen, here it is, Red Rocks. You are who you are through this gift and call of Jesus Christ. And I greet you now with all the generosity of God our Father and our Master Jesus the Messiah. That's how you intro a letter. You are who you are through this gift and call of Jesus Christ. The title of today's message is a gift and a call. Because Red Rocks Church, we've been given both, haven't we? The Apostle Paul starts off this letter to his friends and he said, hey guys, don't you ever forget I know for some of you, life couldn't be better right now. I know for some of you, you're going through things that you don't even know if you can make it through. No matter what you're going through, no matter what's going on, don't you ever forget the gift that's been given to you through Jesus. When he came to this planet and died on a cross for our sins in a way that we never earned, we never, deser we never deserved. He said, it's a crazy gift, scandalous gift, sacrificial, game-changing, eccentric. Don't ever forget this gift 
that you've been given through Jesus is a game changer. And, and I think if there's, now some of you, you, you may be, have been around church for a long time and you already know what I'm talking about. And for some of you, maybe you're just joining us and you're like, what exactly is the gift you're talking about? And I think if there's one verse that sums it up best, it's John 3, 16, the verse Tim Tebow wrote. <laughs> well, he championed it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's the gift. And listen, I believe some of you, you're in one of our locations right now. Maybe you're in this room right now. Maybe you're watching or listening from somewhere remotely right now. I believe the reason you hit play for some of you is because God wanted to remind you how much he loves you. Because sometimes we go through things in life and we experience things and people say things and people do things and, and we do things and we say things. And sometimes we look at our situations in our lives and we feel pretty unlovable, pretty unacceptable, especially to God. And I believe God just wants to tell some of you today, I love you. I love you just the way you are right now. Not a future version of you. I love you right now with your flaws, with your defects, as you're broken, with your doubts. God loves you. And he said, I loved you so much that I gave you this gift, this crazy gift through my son, Jesus. And it applies to everybody. I sent my son, Jesus, to this earth to die on a cross, to pay the price for your sins. That's what God's message is. That's the gift. Jesus came here, died on a cross, allowed himself to be executed on a cross. And, and crucifixion, you can look it up yourself. Google the process. It was so painful that they felt like they didn't even have a word to adequately describe it. So they invented a new word, excruciating, which means pain from the cross. Jesus allowed himself to go through that for you and I today so that whoever believes, that means every single one of us were given and offered this gift. And so if we believe, if we choose today, we can say, I want to turn from my old life. I want to confess my sins. I want, I want to receive his grace, his forgiveness. I want his spirit to live inside of me. Not just so he's in my life right now, but so I get heaven forever. That's the offer that, is, that, that, that that's, we get through this gift. And he says, it's because I don't want anyone to perish. I don't want anyone to go to this place that the Bible calls hell, eternal separation from God. God says, I don't want that for any of you. So I sent my son, so I gave you this gift. So if you'll put your faith in him, you can have your sins forgiven and be redeemed and renewed and restored and changed and set free and given heaven forever. That's the gift. Red Rocks Church, what a gift we've been given, right? We've been given this unbelievable gift. And Paul says, don't ever forget. In fact, it would do some of you a lot of good this week. It would do me a lot of good this week. I won't even indict you. I can't tell you how many times I think like, what happened to the joy of my salvation? You ever feel that way? Like I believe in Jesus. What happened to the joy that's supposed to be a part of that? I can't tell you how good it would do my soul this week if every day I just shut a door somewhere and get alone for just a minute and just spend some time going, God, thank you so much for the gift. Watch the joy start to come back into your life as we begin to remind ourselves the gift we've been given. 
Paul says, you've been given a gift. And then he says to his friends in Rome, he says, but, but don't stop there. Don't just live holding on to and being grateful for the gift. He said, there's a second part because you also got a call. See, if we're, not, if we're not careful, especially us longtime church people, we'll just come to church week after week and just sing songs and say, thanks for the gift. We won't actually ever do anything with the call part. We'll just say thanks for the gift and we'll keep praying, God help me, God bless me, God guide me, God protect me. Thank you for everything you do for me. Paul says it's more than that. Don't stop there. You'll miss out on what God has for you. You've been given a gift and a call. Let's reread. Through him, we received both the generous gift of his life and the urgent task of passing it on to others who receive it by entering into obedient trust in Jesus. Here we go. You are who you are through this gift and call of Jesus Christ. He says, once you experience the gift, the life change, the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness, turn around and share it with somebody and go share it urgently, he said. Why urgent? Because he knows the same thing we know. Time's short, isn't it? Time flies. I mean, how many times you go to someone's house and see their kids and be like, whoa, what? How many times you just scroll through pictures on your device and you see pictures of your own kids from a few years ago and just start crying? <laughs> Time flies, right? I, I'm a half-hearted social media er, I guess. Like our creative team all the time is getting on me like, dude, you got to post. Dude, you got to say. Dude, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't want to share. <laughs> but I'm trying. But I got on Facebook the other day on my phone. I don't even know how the app got on my phone, probably from one of my children, but I hit the Facebook app and Facebook does this awful thing where they just go, hey, here's a picture from five years ago. Bing. Like, I didn't ask for that. Whoa, dude, you just ruined my day, Facebook. Like, now I'm crying. You know what I'm talking about? And so I get on Facebook and it just, whether I asked for it or not, just throws up a picture of my kids four years ago. And, and it was actually a picture of my son Ashton and Chad's daughter Jane. And, and in fact, would you put that picture up? Look at that kid, already got game. <laughs> Making moves in his Ninja Turtles t-shirt, come on. Watch out. And so me and Chad and Jill and Rachel, we were texting around this picture. And then Chad sent two more pictures of our kids today. Put that one up. Same game, four years later. And we're like, whoa, where did our babies go, right? And we start texting the little cry faces with the little tears pouring out of their eyes because we're like, time flies. Ashton and Jane are, were almost born on the exact same day because the first few years of the church, we didn't have health insurance, So we were using like 15 forms of birth control, right? Because we're not having kids because we don't have health insurance. And then one day we got insurance. <laughs> and we went home and celebrated <laughs> our insurance. 
And nine months later, we both had babies. So they were born almost on the same day. And we've been telling those two since birth, you will get married. And look, we want the best for our kids. You know that, right? But what we really want is to be related. And they're our best shot. So we're just trying to make that happen. So pray for that. Ashton and Jane, we're believing. Paul says the call is urgent because time flies. Time is short. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. The people you love aren't guaranteed tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what people are dealing with. But once you've experienced this life-changing gift, go share it with somebody and get that inside of you in an urgent way. And I want to ask you, church, because we say all the time, we exist to make heaven more Crowded. crowded. God, forgive us if that turns into a poster and not the way we live. We got to take what God has done in our life and go urgently share this message with the rest of the world because we've been given a gift and a call. And the two go hand in hand. And I know a whole bunch of you, thousands of you in this church family, if I were talking with you one-on-one, you'd be like, that's what I want. Like, I want that. I don't want to just talk about that. I want to be about that. Like, I I want my life to matter like that. I want to have that kind of purpose. I want to make heaven more crowded. I want to take God's blessings and turn around and share them with the people around me. In fact, a whole bunch of you would say, there's some people in my family right now that desperately need this message. There's some people at my work, at my school, in my neighborhood, some friends of mine. There's some people I know, they desperately need to experience Jesus. I want to do that. I've experienced the gift. I want to walk in the call. But where do I start? You ever feel that? Like the intention's there, but I don't know what to say, and I don't know what to do, and I don't know where to, and it's kind of weird, and I'm not a pastor, and, and I can tell you if you are, it's even weirder. So I want to talk to you about some, some real practical things. I just talked about how we receive the gift. But I want to talk about how we walk out the call. And the first thing is this, if, if you're taking notes. What's God done for you? Share that. What's God done for you? Share that. In fact, I bet it would do every single one of us a whole lot of good if this week we'd spend some time just thinking about that, where I used to be before God, what life used to be like before God. What's God done for you? Share that. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus loads up the boat. He tells the disciples, load up the boat. We're going to the other side. And in the middle, they experience this crazy storm and they all think they're going to die. And then Jesus does a miracle and stops the storm. And the disciples are like, whoa, who is this? He talks and the weather listens. And then they get to the other side and they realize that the whole trip was so they could reach out to one person. They realized that Jesus was teaching them a lesson. I want to know if you'll take your call and you'll dive in heart and soul to go reach one person before I can ever send you town to town, village to village, reaching everyone, which he does in the next chapter. 
First, I need to know if you'll go heart and soul after your calling to reach one person. And they do. And this one demon-possessed man gets healed. And this guy experiences the life change that happens when we come face-to-face -face with Jesus, like a whole bunch of us have. And he realizes what we're talking about today. I've just been given a gift and a call. I got to share this. I want my life to matter. I want to make heaven more crowded. I want to build God's kingdom. I want to share what's happened. And he starts begging, Jesus, let me go with you. Watch what happens. Verse 38. The man from whom the demons had gone, the, excuse me, the man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. God, I want to change the world. Bro, start at your house. That's what he said. Go home. Go where I've already put you. Go to your work. Go, you don't have to go to the other side of the world. Go to your office. Go to your neighborhood. Go to your family dinner. Go to your school. Go to your kid's game. Look at the world I've put you in. Go there first and start telling them what I've already done. And then watch what I'll do. Some of you may remember our friend Gabby, young girl going through leukemia. She told us, yeah, I spend a lot of time in a hospital, so guess where my calling is right now? Children's Hospital. And that's where I tell people about Jesus because that's where God has me right now. What has God done in your life? Share it. Watch what will happen. What if you and I started praying this week? God, I may not be where I want to be. I may not be experiencing the dream right now, but you got me where you got me for a reason. And you've, you've done some things in my life, so give me one name. Give me one face. Give me one person and the courage to go share. One of the best things you could ever do for somebody you care about isn't argue with them. It's serve them with the love of Jesus and then say, look, I don't have all the answers, but I'll tell you what God did for me. See, this, this guy in Luke chapter 8, he's begging Jesus, let me go with you. I want to be about the mission and I think what he tells that guy in Luke 8 is the same thing he would tell you and I today. You want to start living with some purpose? You want to make heaven more crowded? You want to actually be about it, not just talk about it? Go tell people what I've done, then watch what I'll do. Go tell what I've done, then watch what I'll do. There's power in our stories. And so I want to ask you, Red Rocks, What's God done in your life? And when's the last time you told somebody about it? Those are some big questions, but they'll alter our purpose in life if we approach them the right way. See, we've been given a gift and a call. What's God done in your life? Share that. And then we ask this. What's God brought me through? And we use that. What's God done in your life? Share that. What's God brought you through? Use that. See, sometimes we think of our testimony as a story. Your testimony is not a story. It's a weapon. 
Let me say that again, Red Rocks. What you've been through, what some of you are going through right now, your testimony. It's not just a story, it's a weapon. Revelations 12 says this. There's two things that defeat the power of Satan in this world. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. See what that's teaching us? Satan's in this world. That's a real deal. We're not playing games. Heaven's real. Hell's real. God's real. Satan's real. Satan wants to kill, steal, and destroy everything that God wants to do in your life. So your testimony we use as a weapon, and it goes like this. The very thing you thought was going to take me out is the very thing I use to destroy you with. Because my testimony is not just a story. It's a weapon. We got to start using it as a weapon. A bunch of you have been in church for a while, and then there's a bunch of you who this is all new to you. I bet you almost every single one of you have heard of David and Goliath, right? We all know the story, or most of you do. David, little shepherd kid with a slingshot, gonna fight the 10-foot giant, right? That's good sound effects, right? Timber, right? Almost every single one of you, you know the story. David and Goliath, and David knocks him down with a slingshot. But I bet fewer people know how he finishes him off. 1 Samuel 17, verse 51, David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Goliath thought he was going to take David out with the sword. David said, no, I don't think so. In fact, the very thing that you thought was going to take me out, I used to cut your head off with. That's how our testimony works. We look back at Satan and we go, oh, you thought that was going to take me out? The very thing you thought I couldn't survive is the very thing I'll use today to cut your head off and build the kingdom of God with. Because my testimony is not just a story, it's a weapon. I have some friends right now in this church family. And some of you know them. Jamie and Andy Stewart. And they've went through some stuff. Oh, they've got a testimony. They've went through things that honestly I can't fathom. Like we all know pain to certain degrees. And then there are certain times when you watch somebody go through something and you go, I can't even, I can't even touch that. I can't even fathom that. that. That's where Jamie and Andy are at, in my estimation. And, and because of our friendship, I know that there was a time when their pain had become a prison for them. But see, today, they just decided, no, uh-uh. You don't get to win, Satan. You don't get to have the last word. What I've been through, my testimony, it's not just a story, it's a weapon. And what you thought you'd take us out with, now we're going to destroy you with. And we're going to build the kingdom of God with it. Watch this video. We went in for our anatomy scan. It was June 28th. And I remember just walking through the doors and we were hand in hand. Um, getting ready to find out if we we're gonna have a boy or a girl. And then just about an hour later, we walked out those very same doors and we were confused and um, 
scared and just broken beyond measure. We luckily got in with the specialist the very next day and it was within the matter of minutes that he was able to tell us that we were having a little boy and that he had a condition uh, known as osteogenesis imperfecta type 2. We knew that medically speaking, Logan wasn't um, expected to live. It took two days um, to deliver him. And at that point, no one really thought that he was gonna make it, uh, just with the condition of his body, making it through delivery was not very likely. But he did. He was uh, beautiful. And um, ultimately, we were able to spend 54 minutes with him before Jesus took him home. And that's kind of the heart of Walk With Me and why Walk With Me was born. My story began with Walk With Me when my sister got pregnant with Logan, obviously. I can remember watching her go through just this struggle of carrying this life that she loved so much, um, knowing that she probably was going to have to let him go. My passion for Walk With Me came is knowing how hard it is seeing your family go through painful things like that. We do need a lot of help. We are a, uh, a young nonprofit. We still have a long ways to go. We still have a lot to learn. We are doing our best um, to support the families in the best way that we know how. Losing a child is really expensive, and that's another one of those areas that you don't think of when you know your baby's going to die or if you found out in an ultrasound that your baby is no longer with you. Um, you don't think of how expensive it is to lose them because there's work, there's the cost of funerals and burials and stuff like that, and these are all the things that are just, it's not necessary for a family to have to worry about that when they're trying to figure out how to continue living when a piece of them is gone. We like to promote healing and hope. We like to um, encourage remembrance and we like to create community for our families. Um, and so in some of the ways we do that is we like to help offer our family counseling services, um, which is a huge tool for them to be able to work through and process what's gone on to them, for them. Um, we like to provide them with several different care packages. Um, one in the hospital, if we're um, honored enough to be able to be in that situation, that lets us do like hand footprints for our families, um, physical things that they get to take home from their baby, which is all they get. We plant memorial trees and, and local parks, hopefully close to where people live. Um, place to go and remember we have a, a Logan tree and you know so like all the money that we we do financially is to kind of help encourage remembrance and then also help them through the tough times. Is that our hope is that we can use our experience and our story to help other families better navigate the path after losing a baby because there's all this pain that there's nothing that we can do about. Our hope is that we can use the things that we didn't do very well um, and the issues that we had and we can learn from that and help just guide and mentor these families through um, honestly just the unthinkable. Isn't that amazing? The most painful thing that they've ever been through they said, this will not be our prison. This will be our platform. And now they look at other couples. Jamie texted me today. She said, we're walking with two more couples right now because they've been through what we've been through. So now they look at somebody else and they go, I understand this is the most painful thing 
that you could possibly imagine. I've been there. So because I've been there, you won't walk alone. I'll go with you. I'll help you. I'll serve you. I'll love you. I'll help finance you. I sat at multiple dinners with Jamie and Andy, and we just had honest, like, gut-wrenching, honest conversations. And they talked to me about things like, I have so much anxiety right now, I can't hardly function at work. I have so much depression right now, I don't even want to get out of bed some days. Some days I just don't want to live. I can't, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I can go on. And I bet you, I bet you at that point in the whole journey, I bet you there were times when Satan looked at them and went, gotcha. Oh, they're done. I got them. I can't rebound. But see, they realized I've been given a gift and a call. And if I choose, I can take what I've been through and I can use it as a weapon. And so what Satan thought would take them out, they are now using to destroy him and build the kingdom of God. That's what we can do. We can attach what we've been through to our calling. There's power in that. So we ask ourselves, what's God done in my life? I'm going to share that. What's God brought me through? I'm going to use that. And the third thing is this. We start with one. What's God done in my life? I'm going to share that. What's God brought me through? I'm going to use that. And I'm going to start with one. See, I know there's, there's people scattered all throughout this church family right now. And you would say, I do have a dream. I do have a call. I do have a vision. I do believe it's straight from God. And it's huge. It's like so big, I don't know how it could possibly happen unless he does a miracle. And when we feel that, it's like this amazing thing that overwhelms us when we go, I got something I'm shooting for. But then on a daily basis, we try to walk that and we go, what do I do? And here's what I would say, if that's you, you feel like God's doing something in you and there's a big dream, there's a big vision, there's a big call and you feel like, I don't know how in the world it could ever happen. Here's what I would say to you. Dream big, pray bigger, but start small. Dream huge, dream big. God wants to put big dreams in our heart. There's a great big world that needs to be reached. Dream big, pray bigger. Start praying prayers that are so crazy that unless God himself does it, it could never happen. That's fun right there. That's when your walk with Christ starts to get some energy right there. Dream big, pray bigger, but start small. I was just telling that exact thing to a friend this week. A friend called and he said, Sean, you know my story and you know what I've been through. And he said, you know, before I found God, or probably more accurately, before I allowed God to find me, he said, man, I, I like failed as a man. I failed as a husband. I failed as a father. I failed as a Christ follower. And I don't want other men to make the mistakes I've made. And he said, I just feel like God's been doing something in my heart, something huge. And I want to share what I've been through with other men so they don't have to make some of the mistakes I made. 
And he said, and it's crazy. He said, you know me. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a speaker. I'm not a, I don't know. But I don't know where this has come from. But he goes, I've got this, this mental picture. I can't get it out of my mind. He goes, I can see myself like walking back and forth on a stage, like communicating to thousands of men, like don't screw up the way I did. I said, praise God. He said, what do I do? I said, dream big, man, and pray bigger, but start small. And then I said, I said, hey, there seems to be this theme throughout scripture. And I believe it to be true. And I said, before you start looking for opportunities to walk on a stage, look for some opportunities to walk in a driveway with one person. And I bet you about the time I said that, he was like, I'll call someone else. Like, what are you talking about driveway? Like, I'm trying to tell you my dreams. And, and I knew what I was trying to say, but I don't think I did a re real good job of articulating it. Because I felt like I learned a lesson a long time ago in a driveway. After I got saved, I was in a church service one day. And, and then this group came through town called Shake the Nations. And they were so inspiring. And they would literally, they would rent out like um, uh, auditoriums and arenas and churches that could seat thousands of people at a time. And, and I was sitting in this event and the guy comes up and he shares his testimony. And I'm watching thousands of people like be affected by Jesus. I'm watching people get saved. People were signing up to go on mission trips to share their faith. Like, and, and I just started crying that day. And I remember thinking, what he's doing right there. I can't even believe I'm saying this, God. I think that's what you're calling me to do. And I remember feeling like that, that's totally backwards and makes no sense because I don't like talking in front of people. I don't like being in front of people. I have all kinds of anxiety issues. Like I never want to do that. But all of a sudden I started praying like, God, I want to do that. I think that's what you've put in my heart. I'll tell thousands what you've done for me if you give me the chance. And then I learned this lesson right after that. Me and Jill got invited to dinner with two couples, friends of ours. Well, we always say no at this stage in the game because we were broke. Like we don't even think about going to dinner. We're broke. I was interning at the church. Interns at our church made 50 bucks a week. <laughs> Providing for the family. We both had crazy student loans. She had just taken a job working as a sixth grade teacher at the Christian school attached to the church. And I think her starting salary was around 14,000. We were broke. Like when the insurance bill came, like we cried. Like it was just a regular thing. We didn't even think of going to dinners, but for whatever reason, we were like, let's just do it. So we went out to dinner with these two couples, friends of ours. And, and, and we're still friends with them today. And across the table, my friend's wife, she's got the menu and she goes, Hmm, I'll take the crab legs. And I was doing this thing, and, and if you've ever been broke, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I was looking at the menu, and I was pretending I didn't even hear, but what I was doing is I was looking down the menu like, how much are crab legs? <laughs> and then you do this thing where you're like, how much did they make? <laughs> well, aren't they high and mighty? And like, like I started not liking them just because of what she ordered. 
And I'm looking down the menu and it says market value. And I'm thinking, how rich are you when you order food that you don't even know how much it costs? And then it got to my wife and she does the finances, always has. And she goes, I'll just, I'll just have a side salad. I, I'm not feeling real, real great. And the waiter was like, you mean like a house salad? And she said, no, just a side salad. And in that moment, my heart sank. I know it's stupid stuff, it's petty stuff, but I was just like, that sucks. Like, I want my wife to be able to get crab legs. You know what I mean? Like, but I make 50 bucks a week, so my wife gets a side salad. And that was hard for me. And it was crazy though, because about a week later, someone gave us a gift certificate to Red Lobster. You guys remember the movie, White Men Can't Jump? I'm going to Sizzler, I'm going to Sizzler, I'm going to, I'm going to Red Lobster, I'm going to Red Lobster. I don't know why the worship team doesn't want me to sing, but <laughs> I was so fired up. I'm taking my wife to get crab legs and those little biscuits with the little magical dots of cheese in them. I don't even know where you're at, but you're in there somewhere because I can taste you. So we're sitting at Red Lobster, pretending we're supposed to be there, order crab legs, miraculous biscuits. All of a sudden I get a phone call. And it was a friend and, and I'm gonna change the names. My friend said, hey, uh, Brian has locked himself in his bathroom and says he's gonna kill himself and won't let anybody in and says you're the only one he'll talk to because he knows you've been down that road. I said, okay. I looked at Jill and I was like, I really wanted you to have crab legs, but we got to go. And we walked out. I don't even know if we paid. <laughs> and I went to Brian's house and I talked to him through the door for a while. And then he let me in and I talked to him in the bathroom for a while. And then after everybody else left, me and, me and Brian, we just walked up and down his driveway. And I remember exactly what I said. I was like, man, I know, I know what it feels like to want to not live. And I don't have any great answers for you tonight. But let me tell you what God's done in my life. And all of a sudden, my testimony transformed from a story to a weapon. And I believe God taught me a lesson that night. You want to you share with thousands? I want to know first if you will sell out heart and soul and chase down your calling with urgency for one person. Then I'll take, I'll take care of the rest of the dream. See, some of you feel like, man, I'm called to like speak to women around the world. Why don't you get in a small group and speak to one woman? I'm called to like reach out to men. Okay, get in a group, start doing life together with one man and walk up and down a driveway. I'm called to reach students. Why don't you start volunteering with the student ministries and reach a student? I'm called to share my story with, with people who have addictions. Well, then why don't you start coming to celebrate recovery? Not because you still need it, but because someone in there does and start reaching out to a addict. 
Dream big, pray bigger. But Red Rocks Church, we gotta start with one. There's this theme throughout the Bible. And I believe in, in Luke chapter eight, Jesus was teaching his disciples. I wanna know if you'll sell out heart and soul for one person. Because if you'll do that, oh, I'll take your influence to a whole new level. Red Rocks Church, I wonder what would happen if you and I started praying. God, would you take what I've been through and help me to use it to build your kingdom? I have allowed my pain to be a prison long enough. Now, let's turn it into a platform. Let's go make heaven more crowded, right? Imagine that. Imagine if thousands of us that call this place home said, you know what? I got a story. I'm going to share it. I've been through some stuff. I'm going to use it. And I'll start with one person. Imagine the kind of difference we can make. Church, we say we exist to make heaven more crowded, and that's the deal. That's the mission. But it starts with you and I living that way, doesn't it? It starts with you and I saying, I'll reach one. And then God saying, now let me multiply that. See, when we do that, Understand this, church. We don't build buildings and start more services so we can build audiences. We're not building audiences, church. We're building an army. And we're armed with a gift and a call, and we got the creator of the universe in our corner. That means there's not a city on this planet we can't flip upside down through the power of Jesus. There's not a person in this world that can't be completely changed through the power of Jesus. And there's not a dream or a calling in one of our hearts that we can't chase down through the power of Jesus. For every single one of us, church, God has a gift and a call. And I say we take him up on both. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you're with us right now. I thank you that you have a plan for us right now, even though some of us, we don't even know what that plan is. I thank you that you're working in our lives right now in ways that some of us don't even understand. But I pray, God, as we begin to worship you with music, that we would start to get excited, that we would start to get thankful again as we remember where you've, where you've brought us from, what you've already done. And I pray, God, we would start to get a fire inside of us to go share that with somebody. God, give us a face. God, give us a name. Give us the courage to go share it. Help us to take advantage of the gift and the call. With everyone's eyes closed at all locations, let me ask you a couple questions. First one's this. You already have a relationship with Jesus. You've already received the gift, but today you say, God, help me embrace the call. I wanna go share what you've done. God, give me the courage. If that's you, just raise your hand, church. We're gonna agree together that this can happen, that this will happen. Hands all over the place, as I would hope. Second question is this. You don't have a relationship with Jesus yet. Maybe you didn't even know why you came. Maybe you didn't even know why you pushed play. But right now, you know in your heart, the God of the universe is calling you into a relationship with him. And you just know, this is my moment. I need to confess my sins. I need to ask Jesus to forgive me. I want to put my faith in him. Not just so he gets involved in my life right now, but because I want heaven forever. If that's you at every location, raise your hand right now. I'm going to pray for you as well. Praise God. Hands everywhere. Raise them up, church. Let's respond.
Brussels, raise them up. Let's respond. God, behind bars campuses, let's respond. God, I thank you for what you've already done in our lives through your son, Jesus. I thank you that today we get eternal salvation even though we never earned it. And I thank you for the eternal lives that are changing right now in Jesus' name. And I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts as a church. God, remind us right now we're not an audience, we're an army. And I pray, God, that you would give us the courage to start taking what you've done in our lives and using it as a weapon to defeat hell, to defeat Satan, and build your kingdom in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Red Rocks Church, let's stand up. Let's worship.